Good day, everyone. Welcome to My Mental Chaos. I am Dr. James Ahrens, the ADHD author and veterinarian, coming to you with the seventh Fear of Failure podcast. I am sharing my journey to help you understand the ADHD mind and tell you how an ADHD man found his life's focus within the world of veterinary medicine, the art of doctoring animals. Fear of failing is a two-edged sword, beneficial on the front edge because the worry can propel you forward, but deadly on the back edge because the same fear can paralyze. And as with any situation involving an ADHD mind, both the fear and the anticipation are magnified a hundred times, hence my mental chaos. I hope you find my podcast entertaining and informative. Fear of Failure by James E. Ahrens, DVM A Lifelong Search for Love and Fulfillment Dedicated to my wife, Mary Part 1. Education The Art of Disciplining the Mind and the Soul Chapter 1. In Danger of Leading a Lewd, Idle, and Desolate Life Thank you, Brian Ortiz, for introducing my book, Fear of Failure. Brian spent a week here in Creston, California, in my wife Mary's studio, talking into a microphone hour after hour, narrating all 62 chapters. The first chapter, Being in Danger of Leading a Lewd, Idle, and Desolate Life, finds me in jail, arrested on suspicion of distributing an illegal substance. Before handing the mic back to Brian, I'd like to play a song to help us enter into that romantic bad guy outlaw place, the movie where Robert Redford was known as the Sundance Kid. I'm hoping after listening to the song, you won't see me as the screw-up I was becoming. The song was composed by Rick Bear, one of three creative and talented songsters in the Leaner Lunker and Betsy band. Rick captured the essence of the outlaw lifestyle in his song, Copper Ridge. Way up on Copper Ridge, in a cabin up the creek from the bridge, lived a pair of outlaws, mean as they was kind. Them boys was not so bad, but the law said they had Robbed and stole and lived for much too long And it's right along home a chance sundance You better get on your ponies and ride Okay, stay tonight, but be gone before daylight I see you boys shot down Them Pinkerton men were mad, so they sent the best that they had to capture these two outlaws and make them pay. But as the heat was setting in, them old boys said goodbye to their kin, and they made up for Bolivia far away. Now life down there was cold, and the bank robbers were bold. This backward place took a long time to catch on. But they figured out their game, sent a legion for to tame. They sent four hunters so they'd have no place to run. And it's right along home the Jansen dance. You better get on your bones and ride. 
stories emerge what happy and one's a dirge what really happened that day i guess we'll never really know but people swear they know what really happened and what was shown but the true tale it's argued still today some say that they was killed when with bullets they was filled 400 holes will stop any two men to this day Others say that they got away and hid away good. They'll stay up on Copper Ridge, Colorado, USA. And it's right along the chance of that. You better get on your pony and ride. Okay, stay tonight, but be gone for daylight. I see boys shot down. Thank you, Rick Bear, Joe Gelia, and Mary McGregor for the exciting trailer. Now it's time for the main movie. To be wise, you must first be young and stupid. Anonymous. Ding dong, ding dong. The doorbell came alive in the darkness sometime between midnight and first light. It took a few long minutes for Mom to open the door. When she did, four uniformed officers barged into the foyer. We are from the Huntington Beach Police Department and have a warrant for your son, James Aarons. Is he home? We have to bring him in for questioning. You can't just barge in and take him away. Mother was scared, indignant, and worried about her son. Yes, we can. The search warrant gives us the authority, ma'am. They brushed past Mom and moved up the stairs. Someone must have told them the layout of the bedrooms as they knew just where to find me. The first bedroom at the top of the stairs. The first three years of high school were lots of fun for me. I was a good student and doing well in mathematics and the sciences, all of the courses I needed to get into college. There were cool classes I signed up for, too. I enrolled in two years of woodworking, a year of architectural drafting, and added an aviation class the semester before I finished. Sports were on my palate as well. I was on the swimming and the water polo teams. However, like many others in high school, boredom visited me regularly, and that loneliness thing pushed at me. Like lots of other insecure, immature fellows, having a girlfriend remained a hopeful illusion. Motivated by greed, the need for pure acceptance, and the influence of some of my friends, I decided to make easy money and enhance my popularity by selling illicit drugs. My first wholesale purchase was a drug called mescaline. For $60, I was given a powdery substance cut with cocoa powder and was told to divide it into small packages and sell it for $5 a hit. This enterprise did increase my popularity, and I soon developed a collection of $5 bills hidden under my mattress next to my porn magazines. My customers were neighborhood friends, and most of them came into my bedroom to complete the transaction. Today, I doubt there was ever any mescaline in the product. However, I remember Sandy C. lying on the floor with her eyes closed after ingesting the drug. Soon she was moaning and breathing deeply, suggesting that this was indeed a substantial hit. After about 10 minutes, she sat up and became more coherent, 
although she still appeared to be dazed. Evidently, she was lucid enough to make her way back home, three blocks away. I wore only my underwear as I watched the police, alternating between sitting on my bed and standing near the doorway. They ransacked all my drawers and sifted through my closet. They even lifted up my mattress, exposing my precious porn collection and my stash of $5 bills. They searched for about 30 minutes but could not find any drugs because I had the foresight to hide it well. My hiding place shifted every few days depending on my level of worry and my paranoia. Just the day before, I moved the stash. I was afraid it was too easy to find in my Boy Scout uniform hanging in the closet, even though it was in the pocket of my Eagle Scout badge fastened to it. I had a box containing a model tank I was gluing together. The turret hadn't been attached yet, and I just stuck the stash inside the tank, plopped the tower on top, and closed the box, putting it back on the closet shelf. The police opened the cardboard box during their search, but never looked inside the tank itself. Finding no evidence, they called the search off, but I was still in trouble. I'm placing you under arrest, one of the dicks told me. Is there anything you want to say? I need to pee, is that alright? I asked, showing irritation, because I realized they never found anything. One of the detectives followed me into the bathroom. Returning to my bedroom, I put clothes on, was handcuffed, and brought to the patrol car. There were others in the car as well. These dicks were busy cleaning the neighborhood of my pals. They placed me in the back seat next to Michael. This is all your fault, Jim, my sniveling, fair-weathered friend whined. How so? Remember the lady who I brought up to your place a few weeks ago? She's a narc. This wouldn't have happened if you weren't dealing. You could have said you didn't know where to get any stuff. You could have said that instead of trying to charm her with favors just like you do with all the chicks. How did you meet her anyways? I was hitchhiking on Magnolia Ave, and she stopped to pick me up in a yellow Volkswagen bug. Michael was a ladies' man, and he seemed to be able to charm all the pretty women I knew. It pissed me off. When this woman asked him if he knew where to find some drugs, he wanted to show her he was a big man and directed her straight to my place. What a dick. She was a convicted druggie working with the Huntington Beach Police Department as part of a plea deal. I spent Friday night and Saturday in Juvenile Hall with two beds and a toilet. I was allowed out of the cell for breakfast and lunch. I quickly became bored and I spent time doing push-ups, then sit-ups. I ran in place, did jumping jacks, and jumped at the walls all the while becoming angrier with Michael. He delivered me into this isolated boredom only because he felt he needed to impress a woman. My mother hired an attorney for me. By Saturday afternoon, I was a free man, released into my parents' custody. When the case did go to trial, the lawyer bargained for a lesser sentence, mainly because there was no evidence other than hearsay from a convicted druggie. Pleading guilty to the misdemeanor charge of being in danger of leading a lewd, idle, and desolate life, I was put on probation and released back into society. Although I avoided significant legal prosecution with a misdemeanor charge, the arrest incarceration, and trial caused me to quit the druggy salesman lifestyle. I finished out the rest of my junior year quietly at Fountain Valley High School and spent the summer working full-time with my brother Mike at Dad's car wash in Anaheim. I met with my probation officer only one time. Impressed with the new direction I was steering my life's course toward, he never came to see me again. The incident did make me wonder how different my life would have been if my family had never moved to California. End of chapter. Thank you, Brian. Here's a song Mary composed for our son, Adam. It explains me, too, and shows Mary's tolerance for screwballs. From the first you were a stranger, like no 
Thank you, Mary, for the beautiful song. Thank you, Brian Ortiz, for lending me your voice to my narrative. You bring my memories to life. And thank you, folks, for listening. You can follow the story on my blog, jeadvm.com. I've got pictures there, too. Once on my blog's front page, go to the menu, pick My Books, and click on Fear of Failure. The entire autobiography can be purchased as an old-fashioned paper book or an e-book as well as an 11-disc audiobook set or can be downloaded from the audiobook site ACX. More details are on my website, jeadvm.com. Tune in next week to follow more tales of the soon-to-be ADHD veterinarian. Thanks for listening, you guys.